Amen. Um, before you are seated, can you all hear me? Okay. Uh, before you are seated, why don't you turn to your neighbour on left and right and say, it's so good to see you this service, this Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. And as you are going down church, uh, TJ, why don't we welcome our guests and friends. Thank you for joining us today. Amen. 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 Uh, you may be seated. Amen. Before we go into the word of the Lord for this morning, um, Pastor sends his regards. He's currently, he and Sister Hoya are currently on a mission trip in the Philippines. So um, they're asking us to keep them in prayer. I don't know if you saw the news. Uh, there was a sudden uh, typhoon. If I'm not wrong, typhoon now gay or something um, is uh, affecting uh, where he's at. So yesterday he texted me and said, hey, um, my hotel brown out. They lost electricity in the hotel because of the storm. You know, but thank God there was a generator that was able to back it up. So why don't we, 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 we for a moment, why don't we recover our pastors in prayer? And today they're going to be at, I believe they're already there at PAP, uh, Pasik of Pas the church, our brother Serrano, if you remember. They're actually celebrating their 30th anniversary. You know, so we want to pray that God will watch over not only our pastors, but even the church there even during the midst of this uh, typhoon. So church, why don't we begin to lift up our voice and, and cover our pastors in prayer. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, Lord, we want to pray, God, for our pastor and sister Hoya, God. Lord, as they are currently in the, in the Philippines, God, and as they are there, Lord, on a mission, as they are there, God, to, to minister your word, God, I pray, Jesus, God, that you will be with them, Lord, especially during this time, God, Lord, there's this typhoon that has suddenly hit, oh God, the Philippines, God. Lord, we ask, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we as the church, God, we want to stand in the gap, God. Lord, we pray, God, that you will begin, oh God, to cause this storm, oh God, to move away, God. Lord, you have, Lord, authority, oh God, over the storms, oh God. You are able to calm the storms with your hands. So, Father, I ask, God, that you will keep, God, pastor, you will keep, God, the church, God, the serenos, the, the entire church safe, God, in the midst of this storm, God. And Lord, we want to pray for the Philippines. We want to pray for all, God, that have been affected by this storm, God. That, Father, that you, O oh God, Harakaya, will watch over those that have been affected. That you will be with those that may have their homes, Lord, lost, oh God, that they may be in a difficult situation. That, Father, Lord, that you will be able to send forth your help, God. That you will be able to send forth your comfort, God. In the name of Jesus, use pastor, God, as he ministers, oh God, in the next few uh, weeks, oh God, in the Philippines that you will use him, God, to pour back, God. You will use him to speak that now word, oh God, to the churches, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen, Amen. You know, um, today we're going to be kind of continuing um, the theme that Pastor has been talking about. So he started off this entire series talking about what it means to live a proactive life. And one of the most important things about living a life that is proactive, it boils down to one thing, our choices. And, and then he started talking about the importance of setting boundaries in our life. Because many times, boundaries will ultimately also affect our choices. For example, today, you know, uh, for most of us, coming to Sunday is almost like a routine. And it's not a bad thing. Because that is kind of a boundary that you have set for yourself. That every Sunday, no matter what, I'm going to drag my family to church. Because it's the right thing to do. It's, I'm, I'm doing what the Bible says, that I want to dwell in the, Lord, in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. 
You know, and when we talk about this thing called boundaries, sometimes we think about it, we're like, oh, I don't like to talk about it. It sounds very serious, sounds very uh, like rigid. You know, but I want to thank God for leaders. I want to thank God for our pastors that they have the courage to speak the truth, you know. Sometimes you preach, you want to preach about, oh, you know, those uh, about faith, you know, about uh, praise. But when you talk about the boundary, people are like, oh, sin, easy. I don't want to hear already. You know, and I thank God for pastor, not just teaching about boundaries, not just preaching about boundaries, but in, in my many years growing up from being a kid to a teenager and to, the, to, the, to who I am today, many times pastor is there to, to correct me. He's there to teach me and set boundaries in my life. And is it pleasant all the time? No, it's not. But I tell you many times it's not the yes that make me better. It's his nose that make me better. You know, and I, I want to encourage us today that, that as we begin to hear the word of the Lord, that we will begin to have a newfound appreciation and a newfound attitude when we talk about this thing called boundaries. So why don't we, with, with, with all hands lifted one more time, we're going to pray that. And I want you to, to put your hands on your, your heart this morning and say, Lord, Father, today, God, as we are here, Lord, in your presence, as we are in here in your house today, God, that, Lord, that you would help me, God. Lord, in the areas of, of setting boundaries, in the areas of wanting to be proactive, God, in my relationship with you, God, in, in wanting to make choices, God, that are pleasing to you. God, that you would help me, God, see boundaries not as something that is harmful, God. But, Lord, that you would help me to just be like David when he said, God, that, that the boundary lines that you have said in my life, have fallen in pleasant places, God. Lord, help me see those things as, as a good thing, God, as a needful thing, God. So, Father, I pray that you would give us understanding and revelation of your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I don't know how many of you have seen this article this week. Uh, someone, my wife sent it to me, you know, Mothership was uh, talking about this article. Okay, the, the headline is, don't watch if you have a weak heart. You know, it's an article about toddlers uh, seen playing on a 17th floor window ledge in Malaysia, you know, and, and the police are investigating. Uh, I didn't put up the video lah, because maybe you all see you also heart attack. The children were playing on the ledge. And apparently at one point, one of the kids actually tripped, but thank God he didn't fall over. And then if you can see the sub-headline, it says the parents were in the house, but they were unaware. Thank God the kids didn't fall off the building. So when we see articles like that, we'll be like, oh, these parents are very irresponsible. How can they let the kids like that? I tell you, if it was me, I, I, I'd be dead. You know, my mom will, you can let your baby go like that? Why you don't your And rightfully so. I mean, we laugh about it, but, but if you were in that situation, this is a serious matter. You know, and in, in this case, boundaries would mean, you know, installing window grills. You know, for those who have, you know, uh, got your own flat, you know, we like not to have grills because the window very long, very big, very nice. The moment you put grill, ah, not so nice already. Okay, but nowadays, we have this thing called invisible grill, so it's still a bit nicer. Lah. But it's so important, especially when you have children. Because when it's too late, it really is too late. Because you cannot bring back your child if they've fallen off. You know, and the scary part is this. 
the parents were in the house but unaware. And I think likewise for us spiritually. Sometimes when we, when we don't see the importance of boundaries, or we say that, huh, what's the point of setting boundaries? It's, you know, it's my life to live. I don't want to have any grills. I don't want to lock the windows. I like the freedom. I like the, the, the breeze that I feel. I want to even live on the edge of life because it's so exciting. It's, you know, people say, oh, FOMO. I don't want to miss out on every opportunity. So we live on the edge. But what if one day we just fall off and it's too late? You know, Pastor, uh, the first lesson that Pastor talked about is this thing called regrets. And it's so true that many of us, we say, oh, you know what? I learn best from experience. But many people don't tell you experience is very costly. And sometimes certain regrets will haunt you the rest of your life. And so that's why we always implore all the young people, please, please listen. Please heed what the scripture is saying. It is so important for us to have boundaries. It's so important for us to set guardrails in our life. And last week, Pastor talked about the five reasons why boundaries are essential. Number one, we tend to use our liberty as an opportunity to satisfy our fleshly desires. Number two, our flesh can be difficult to control. Number three, giving in to our fleshly desires can lead to consequences we need to bear. Number four, we choose daily whether to follow after our fleshly desires or after the Spirit of God. And last reason why boundaries are essential, because we should not have confidence in our sinful nature. See, boundaries define us whether you like it or not. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and where somebody else begins. When we have no boundary lines, the lines are blurred, we sometimes lose sight of whose responsibility belongs to who. For example, in a home, the boundary line between me as a father and a husband is there. The boundary lines where my wife is as a wife and a mother is there. We don't cross each other's lines. We don't blur the lines that, you know, the roles get mixed up. And in the world that we live in, they like to remove all the boundary lines. You know, even when it comes to gender distinction, it's like, oh, don't need to have boundaries, just remove it. Anything goes. What happens when we don't have boundaries? It brings in confusion. Confusion into our homes, confusion in our societies, confusion into our children's life. The Bible tells us clearly what our parameters are. It tells us where our lines should be. And not just how to set them, but how to protect them. You see, many times people say, hey, what's the big deal about boundaries? Okay, let's talk about it in the physical world. See, nations go to war over boundary lines. We hear it all the time in the news. Um, Pakistan and India constantly having uh, a fight. You know, Elvin telling me that day that... Um, they're setting up this kind of technology for the older folks to have a VR that they, some of them, they cannot cross over back to their uh, town, right, or their homeland. The older folks will wear VR to reminisce their life back in, the other, in their hometown. See, nations go to war. Sometimes we hear about the South China Sea or oh, people want to fight over which island, who belongs to who. So if in the spiritual, in the physical realm, um, boundary lines are so sought after, what more in the spiritual realm? Right, right. The enemy of our souls are every day warring after taking, taking over our, our territory. You give them 
You give them an inch, they will take a foot. And so we have to protect the boundary lines in our lives. See, but often our family or other past relationships confuse us about our parameters. In addition to showing us what is res- we are responsible for, boundaries also help us to define what is not on our property. Wow. You know, when you go, you know, those in NS, wow. you know, when you clean up the bunk, the one area that we always fight with other bunk is the corridor. Why? Because corridor got no boundary lines. Like, hey, this one, then we sometimes lazy, we sweep to the other, in front of the other bunk. Say, hey, bro, you never clean. It helps us define what is not on our property and what we are not responsible for. We are not, for example, responsible for other people. See, funny thing is, nowhere in the scripture are we commanded to have other control. The scripture only commands us to have self-control. See, boundaries help us distinguish our property. So why? So we can take care of it. They help us to guard our heart with all diligence. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. See, when I think of boundaries, I think of it like fences. They are for the purpose of keeping what? The good stuff in. Just like a shepherd, that when they bring the flock into the sheepfold, there's boundary lines of the fences. Why? To keep the sheep in. Not only does it keep the good in, but it keeps the bad out. It keeps the, the wolves from coming in to, your, to the sheepfold to eat up all the sheep. Boundaries help us keep the good in and the bad out. But the thing about fences is this. Fences need gates in them. You need an entry point, right, for the sheep to go in. See, sometimes we, we take it too extreme. We say, oh, okay, I've set up boundaries. And then we start building up walls. See, God never intended for us to build up walls so high. And many times we do that because why we are reacting to a certain hurt. And I love what Brother Peter says. Sometimes for some of us, spiritually, we're putting on a mask. We're building up walls in the presence of God. When God is saying, hey, I'm here. Eh. Why are you in my presence? You, you build up these walls for what? Why don't you lower them down? See, sometimes we need to open up the gates. Why? To let the good in. See, in Revelation 3 verse 20, Here God is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. See, for some of us, we need to open up the gate for what purpose? To let God in. To let the good in. And maybe to let some bad out also lah. See, likewise in our relationships with one another in the body of Christ. See, oftentimes we will close ourselves up to the good things that people want to give to us and staying in a state of isolation and, and, and deprivation. Boundaries are not walls. So I encourage you today, as we go through the 10 laws of boundaries, don't take it to the far extreme and say, okay, I'm going to build up my walls so high that nobody can touch me and nobody can hurt me. See, God's world is set up with laws and principle. Spiritual realities are as real as the law of gravity. And if you do not know them, you will discover their effects at one point or another. Just like gravity. Some of you may say, I don't understand how to 
explain the theory of gravity. It doesn't matter because whether you like it or not, if I drop this bottle, it's going to hit the ground. Even if you don't understand, gravity is at work. And similarly with the laws of boundaries, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, it will be in effect. See, we need to know the principles God has woven into life and operate according to them. Just like the children climbing on the ledge. We don't need to teach them, oh, you, are, you must learn about the law of gravity. Because, you know, when you jump off the building, right, then suddenly the force of the earth got the gravity pull you down. Uh, you hit down there, your brain gets smashed. We don't need to teach the kids that. They won't understand the law of gravity. So what do we do? We just put the windows, grills, so they won't climb out. And today we are taking a look at the 10 laws of boundaries so that you can learn to begin to experience life differently. So law number one is the law of sowing and reaping. Okay, many of us know what this is. Okay, you basically reap what you sow. You sow apple seeds, you're going to reap apple tree and apple fruits. The law of cause and effect is a basic law of life. The Bible calls this sowing and reaping. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 to 8, it reads, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. See, when God tells us that we will reap what we sow, He's not trying to be mean. He's not trying to say, I'm going to punish you. Eh. He's just telling us how things really are. It's just a fact of life. For example, if you smoke cigarettes, chances are you have a high chance of developing cancer. Whether you know the theory behind it, you reap what you sow. If you overspend, you will most likely get calls from the along or the creditors. And you may even go hungry. Why? Because you've got no more food to buy. And maybe you're waiting for government to give the CDC voucher. Wow, finally I can go and buy my, my Tsai Peng. On the other hand, if you eat right and exercise regularly, you may suffer fewer health problems. If you budget wisely, you will have more money for your bills and for food. Sometimes, however, people don't read what they sow. Huh, what do you mean? I thought you say you confirm read what you sow. And why sometimes people don't read what they sow is because someone else stepped in and reaped the consequence for them. What do I mean by this? For example, if every time you overspend, your mother step in and cover for you, say, hey, never mind, never mind, can't I transfer you $100? She will be keeping you from experiencing natural consequences and you will never learn anything. You will do it over and over. You say, hey, never mind, la. burst budget. Ah, never mind, my, my, my mother, my bank will send me more money. See, people can interfere with the law of sowing and reaping by stepping in and rescuing irresponsible people. And this is why boundaries are so important. Because boundaries help you determine what is my responsibility and what is not. Rescuing a person from the natural consequences of his or her behaviour enables him to continue in that irresponsible behaviour. Something I learned in parenting, you know, uh, now when I have a kid, 
Now he's in no longer baby already. He's like toddler. Two years old. They call it terrible tools. Now I know why it's called terrible tools. And in this stage, we are learning that hey, it's the most crucial time. You know, before they turn three or above, it's the most important time for us parents to set boundaries, to teach them boundaries. And then when it comes to their behaviour, you know, we always hear the term, you cannot reward bad behaviour. Because you reward bad behaviour, you're going to get bad behaviour. We have to let them reap the consequences of their action. Sometimes we also call this what we call the saviour mentality. When we have a tendency to go and rescue someone from their irresponsibilities, it's called the saviour mentality. See, when I have a saviour mentality and always want to jump in to bail somebody out from their consequences, see, I may be helping them there and there. Right at that moment, oh, okay, okay, I, hey bro, alama, you, 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 you owe people money, never mind, never mind, come, come, I pass you money, you go pay off. I may be bailing them out of the situation, but do you know that we end up setting up them up for greater failure in the future? Why? Because what if we are not there anymore? What if I'm not around anymore and, and Micah becomes this spoiled brat that I always bail out? Then when life suddenly hits him and consequences start to hit him, he will not be able to know how to handle it. See, in, in a situation like that, one person is the enabler and the other one is the enabled. And this kind of relationship is very, very unhealthy because we will end up draining each other. Oh, you got problem. I help you. Then I feel good about myself. That's what the saviour mentality is. We're trying to be God, to feel good about ourselves, to try to feel important. There's another term that is called codependency. See, where both parties are like what we call leech. You know what's a leech, right? You know, they, they, they stuck onto you, then they just suck, suck, suck your blood. And when you are in a codependent relationship, both parties are just sucking from each other. I make you feel good. You make me feel good. At the end of the day, what happens? The relationship never grows. It's a deadly cycle. See, I've experienced this before. See, as I'm talking to you about boundaries, I'm not here trying to be a... I'm not a guru about boundaries. I'm not graduated from boundaries. I, I still got a long way to go. I only got two years of parenting experience. So I'm not here trying to, to tell you that I, I got the all. But I'm speaking from someone that is still in the midst of learning. I've made some bad decisions. I've reaped some stuff. And that's why we are talking about the importance of this. And when you are in a codependent relationship, no one wins. You may, be, you may feel good in that moment, but no one wins. So when you are in a codependent relationship, we are trying to be like the Holy Ghost. We're trying to, okay, hey, come, I, I, I help you. Hey, it's okay, la, it's okay. Oh, you, you did this. Ah. Never mind, never mind. Uh, uh, we, 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 we do it together. But the problem is we do a terrible job at being a God. How many of you can identify with that? You're terrible at playing God. And when we eventually run dry, you know what will happen? We will start to blame each other. See, la, it's your fault. La. Why I'm like that? Because you, la, you're always like that. La. So instead of pointing one another to God in a codependent relationship, we are looking to fulfill one another's needs and desires. And this is very dangerous. So then how? What happens if I'm currently in a codependent relationship? 
Does it mean I'm doomed? No, thank God. Thank God that's not the case. See, how do we fix this? If you are in a codependent relationship, or maybe you have this saviour mentality that you're like, you know what, I, I, I know I'm like that, but what do I do? How do I move on from here? Simple, establish boundaries. Establishing boundaries help codependent people stop interrupting the law of sowing and reaping in their loved one's life. Boundaries force the person who is doing the sowing to also do the reaping. And sometimes, you know, we say, oh, you know what, never mind. I will confront them. I'll tell them about this issue. But sometimes confrontation won't work. You can confront someone all you want. End up, they also don't like you. They're like, why, you stop nagging at me, la, ma. Papa, stop nagging, very irritating. And sometimes when confrontation doesn't work, you know what works the most? Let them face the consequences. And then they'll come to you, eh, hey, I'm sorry, Dad. You're right. What should I do? See, you and I are free to make our choices, but we are not free to choose our consequences. So we got to learn to set those boundaries. Why? Because the law of sowing and reaping is in effect. You are if you have been sowing good seeds, that's great. Keep it up. But you have not. It's okay. Start sowing good ones. Start setting those good boundaries. It's never too late. It may be a bit uncomfortable at the start, but it's never too late. And so this leads us to the next law, the law of responsibility. Right? We talk about how we got to let the person that's responsible reap their own uh, harvest. And the next law about the law of responsibility is simply we have to take responsibility for our choices. See, problems arise when boundaries of responsibility are confused. When we, when we kind of lose sight of, hey, who is responsible for this? Sometimes, you know, in a team project, you know, those in school, you do group work, right? Okay, one of the reasons why I don't like group work is because you have to split up, oh, you do this, you do that. Then the team leader need to manage, right? If everybody do their job. Then the worst part is if you have this one person in your team that is the slacker, that is the freeloader, never do anything one. Then what happens? You affect the rest of the morale of the team. You say, how come this guy never do anything? He still get A. And that's why it's so important to have boundaries. You say, hey, this, you better do your work. Huh? If you don't do, I'm going to tell teacher, everybody contribute except you. And in some cases, everybody in the team get A, that person fail. And it's important for them to learn that they are responsible for it. You see, we are all called to love one another, but we are not called to be one another. I think Pastor did talk about this briefly. He said, I can't feel your feelings for you. I can't think for you. I can't behave for you. I wish I can do that because I would do it in a heartbeat for my son. When in, when in service, if I could sit down for him, I will sit down. If I can keep quiet for him, I will keep quiet. When we scold him and he get upset, want to throw a tantrum, if I could control his feelings for him, I would. But the thing is, we cannot. I can't work through the disappointments of life for you. In short, I cannot grow for you. Only you can. And likewise, you cannot grow for me. I cannot expect Brother Peter to prepare today's sermon and then when I come up, oh, I can preach the sermon because he prepared for me. I wish it would be the case. But we cannot. That doesn't make sense. I wish I can ask Elvin every year, take IPPT for me. <laughs> because he go and every year go, wow, $500 for 10 years, I get $5,000. 
Wow, sounds good. Eh. If I can, uh, shook. But unfortunately, cannot. In fact, got people very sneaky. They will try to actually rig the system. They ask someone to take for them. They cannot caught. Eh. Cannot charge. Eh. It's a serious offence. Why? Because we have to take responsibility. I have to take responsibility for my own IPPT. You know, got something I never take. You know, then I cannot charge. So now I, 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 very, I, tell, I want to tell the officer, sir, you know why I'd rather get charged? Because I travel to CMPB nearer than I go to the uh, Maju camp. I just walk across, I reach CMPB. Easier for me. So we got to learn, I have to learn to take responsibility for myself. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13, it says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. See, when God saved us, it's not that after that, we don't need to do anything. Eh? He saved us unto good works. Meaning, I got to make sure I protect my walk with God. I make sure I, I learn to make uh, uh, right choices. You know, I want us to read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 18. It talks about, uh, See then that you walk circumspectly. What does it mean circumspectly? I remember, I believe it was Bishop Willoughby that he taught about this lesson and it always stuck in my mind. You know, whenever you, any of you, when you buy new shoes, right, especially if it's white shoes, when you first wear it, the first time you wear it, you'll be very careful. One. When you go out, wow, you make sure if you've got mud, you'll siam, you walk the longer route. Why? Because I don't want to dirty my brand new shoes. That's what it means to walk circumspectly, even if it requires you to take a detour. I will do it. Why? Because heart pain, eh? I buy new sneakers, then you know, some of you wear the limited ad one, then you step on mud layout. And so the scripture tells us you've got to walk circumspectly. Likewise, in our relationship with God, whether you, have been, uh, you are a new convert here today or whether you have been in this for 20 years, it doesn't matter. This relationship with God is so precious. When Jesus paid for our sins, He washed us white as snow. It's like that white sneaker, eh? When Jesus saved us, our, we are wearing those white sneakers, brand new. And initially, we'll be careful with our choices. Or we start to say, oh, I cannot do this. Or oh, uh, I, I, I got to make sure I, I make the right choice. Why? Because uh, I just you know, become Christian. I cannot offend God. But in life, as we go on and on and on, we're like, Ayah, never mind. La. A bit boats up. Especially in the last two years in pandemic. You know? The first few live streams were wow, very on where the Sundays wear like, at home. People think I a bit sad. Why you wear anything so nice at home? Wear shirt and pants. Then after a while, eh, I uh, just wear my pajamas. You know. Why? Because we are uh, at home. Uh. But the scripture is admonishing us walk circumspectfully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise. But understand what the will of the Lord is. That's what we are doing today. We are understanding what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. When we begin to set down those boundaries in our lives, we are trying to protect our relationship with God. We are trying to protect those white shoes that we are wearing. We are trying to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because we never know when He's coming back. And when He comes back, He says, Oh, you missed it there. Eh? Then it's too late. 
See, we all have to choose if we want to grow or not. In every aspect of our life, you know, whether it be our relationship with God, whether it's our relationship with our loved ones, whether it's our career, whether it's our health or our finances. I'm not just trying to say, oh, only, only the Spirit. God wants us to this holistically in every part of our lives. We have to be responsible. See, you want to have a vibrant relationship with God, you want to be on fire for God, it has not happened by doing nothing. You want to be fit or lose weight or pass your IPPT, you have to do something about it. You cannot just think that I used to be 21 years old, I don't need to train, I go run also can pass IPPT. Cannot! I'm 32 already, I cannot. You know, and, 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 and for me, this was, was something I had to learn. You know, uh, Jonah is laughing, you know, we, we, he's my running coach. Okay, I hate running. Okay, in fact, ever since army, I OAD until now, I never passed my IPVT before. Until this year. Okay, until this year. And why? Not because I'm very fit. Because I decided, you know what, I got to start taking responsibility. I got to stop, you know, accepting the fact it's okay to get charged. It's not, that's not a good testimony. Imagine next time I go in the, the, the gonna charge, then the officer next time come to service. Ha, you are the guy, ah. Gonna charge three times in a row. Not a good testimony. And so I first started off last year, you know, uh, Jonah and Randy, they helped me go running. Then Randy, I say, hey, every week you must let me know you go exercise. I said, okay, I'll take, him, I'll take a picture of me rowing, running. Then he will set up an Excel sheet for me. Oh, you did this, 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 this. So I said, wow, this accountability partner, solid one. He keep track for me how long I exercise. And when we talk about accountability, accountability sometimes don't work if I never go and actually go and exercise. Because as much as Randy will every week check on me, hey bro, do you work out? Hey bro, do you go run? I'm not going to get fit just by him checking in on me. I have to do something about it. See, accountability does not negate personal responsibility. There came a point where eventually I had to say, you know what, he asked me or don't ask me, I'm going to do it. And the beautiful part is, thank God, now running has become my hobby. Okay? I found joy in it. Okay, maybe somebody like, ah, you sell one. You? you know, I spend too much time with Elvin and Jonah, you know, now I, I enjoy it. But I'm reaping the benefits of it. I finally passed, I tell him, bro, thank you. I finally don't have to get charged for IBBT. I don't have to go RT, waste, don't know how many weeks of my life in, in camp. See, we all have to take responsibility whether we like it or not. See, a common boundary problem is disowning our choices and then trying to lay the responsibility on someone else. See, when Adam and Eve crossed the boundaries that God had set for them in the Garden of Eden, when he says, do not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and evil, what was their response after they sinned? They blame. Instead of taking ownership, they start to blame God. They blame the serpent. They blame everyone. See, what is blame? Blame is to feel or declare that someone or something is responsible for a fault or a wrong. Adam blamed God for his disobedience. The woman blamed the serpent for deception. Instead of taking responsibility for their disobedience, they chose to point fingers. In Romans 6.16, it reads, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave 
whom you obey. Basically, whoever you obey, you are the slave to that thing. If you obey sin, you are slave to sin. Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. See, we have the responsibility to choose whom we will obey today. God's not going to force us. God's not going to take a, a, a knife at your neck and say, you better obey me. Huh? He's not going to do that. He gave us choice. And so the first thing that you and I got to do is to disobey our flesh. It's by saying what? No to our flesh. In the physical world, a fence or some other kind of structure used to outline, will be used to outline a boundary. In the spiritual world, fences are invisible. Okay? And one of the ways we can create good protective fences is with our words. And the most basic boundary setting word is this thing called no. I, I shared about uh, where uh, that Micah right now is in his tools, right? Every day, the most used word is no. That day he in the room, he asked me, he'll point at the window, this? No. From the grill, he'll point down to the latch, this? No. And he said, this? No. This? Yes. Then he'll point back again, this? I said, no. He's trying to test the boundary. He's trying to test the limits. And so we have to build those fences for him by saying what? No. I don't like to say no, but no choice. See, being clear about your no and your yes also is a theme that runs throughout the Bible. In James chapter 5, verse 12, he says, But let your yes be yes, and your no be yes. no, lest you fall into judgment. In James chapter 1, verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If one moment I tell Micah, no, the next day I say yes, he'll get confused. If I say no, mommy say yes, he'll get confused. Who, is, who do I listen to? And that's why we have to, it's a teamwork. We always say, uh, mommy say no, uh, so it's no. Why? Because we want to set the same standard. We don't want to confuse Micah. See, learning to say no breaks the power of the flesh. When we learn to deny our flesh, we are setting a limit. Immediate gratification will decrease resistance. The more we gratify our flesh, the lesser resistance we have to our flesh. But the more we exercise self-control, the stronger our spiritual muscles will be. See, it is difficult for people to know where you stand when you do not use your words to define your property. God does this when He says, I like this and I hate that. The Ten Commandments is, is actually is Him telling us what He like or what He don't like. Thou shalt not steal. It's, there's no grey area to that. He just tells you, I don't like this. Or he will say, I will do this and I will not do this. See, your words let people know where you stand. That are you for God or are you not? Sometimes our friends will test our boundaries. Hey bro, why? Tonight want to go party, go club. Uh, drink a few shots of... Uh, let's go. Tomorrow you service. Don't need lah. Just watch live stream lah. You know, you, you hang over, you still can watch live stream what? And so in that moment, you have a decision to make. Am I going to say yes? Or am I going to say no? 
And the more you stand your ground, eventually people will stop asking you. Every time I go for my uh, reunion dinner with my relatives, you know, and, and, and they would you know, offer me, hey, you want, want some uh, wine? I'll tell them, no, I don't drink. And uh, finally, until now, they, just, they don't ask me anymore. Because they're like, oh, he'll, he'll. They know me. Why? Because I've defined my property line. This is one reason why knowing the truth of God's word is so important when it comes to learning how to make choices. See, in the Garden of Eden, the serpent, Satan, was that great distorter of reality. He tempted Eve to question God's boundaries and his truth. Did God really say you cannot eat or touch the fruit? So then Eve got confused already. And up she fell into temptation because she didn't know his word. She didn't check with Adam. The consequences were disastrous. See, there is always safety in the truth. We won't like it, but there is always safety, whether it be knowing God's truth or knowing the truth about yourself. We need to take responsibility for our choices. And this leads to what? The fruit of self-control. So stop hiding from God. Today, stop blaming somebody else for your problem. Stop blaming somebody else. Stop blaming the church. Oh, Allah, I, I don't feel God. Oh, Allah, I, I, I got this problem in my life because uh, uh, you, la, my CG leader, you asked me to don't do this. Then I missed out on this opportunity. Stop blaming people. Start taking responsibility. I'm not so powerful that I can make you suffer. Okay? And that leads us to the next point. Am I powerless over my behaviour? If I am, how can I be responsible for it? What do I have power to do? The next law is the law of power. In Romans chapter 7, 15 onwards, it reads, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. Verse 19, For I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. How many of you can identify with that? Me. I, I, that's me. Okay? But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. See, the truth is this. Yes, to some extent, we are powerless over certain of our sins. But the good news is this. God didn't leave us powerless. When He gave us the Holy Spirit, it was what? Power. Okay? See, this, so when, whenever we see, we, we just read what Paul said. This is the Apostle Paul said, wow, the thing I should do, I never do. But the thing I should be doing, that I shouldn't do, I end up doing. This is a state of powerlessness. A state I know very well and fight against every day. Though I do not have the power in and of itself to overcome these patterns. Sometimes the truth is, some of the struggles we are dealing with is really, is really big. The truth is, I cannot break it out of myself. You know, it could be a, a, a struggle, an addiction of lust or whatever it is. Sometimes alone, you cannot fight it. Why? Because you try, 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 you keep failing and right. go back into that cycle. You are powerless. But I don't have to do this alone. I do have the power to do things that will bring the fruits of success later on. For example, 
I have the power to agree with the truth about my problem. First, I got to acknowledge, you know what? I got an addiction problem. Secondly, I have the power to submit my inability to God. I can choose that I'm going to stop hiding from God. I'm going to choose, I'm going to stop trying to, to work this out on my own. I'm going to, Lord, I got this problem, please help me. I cannot make myself well, but I can call the great physician. I can ask for help from my therapist or those people I trust. It takes humility to do so. I have the power to search and ask God and others to reveal more and more about what is within my boundaries. I got to communicate and be open to evaluating myself. You got to ask people that you trust, hey, what do you think, ah, bro? I'm, this is the, the thoughts I'm having. This is the struggle I'm having. Am I doing what's right? I have the power to turn from the negative I find within me. Not that I'll be perfect, but I can recognize that those things aren't good and take the steps I need to replace negative behaviors with the positive ones. This is called repentance. We all can repent. We all can turn from our sin and turn to God. I have the power to humble myself and ask God and others to help me with my developmental injuries and leftover childhood needs. I don't have to try to figure it out on my own. I have the power to seek out those I have hurt and make amends. Sometimes we are the ones that cross someone else's boundary and we hurt them. We have the power and responsibility to, to make up for those things, to make amends. Your boundaries help define what you do not have power over. And what is it? Everything outside of them. That's why you set the boundary. Listen to the way uh, the serenity prayer, probably the best boundary prayer written says. The serenity prayer says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. <laughs> Sometimes we don't. In other words, God, help me clarify my boundaries to know what I have the power to overcome myself and what I need to turn to you and others for help with. Help me to know what is me and what is not me. We got to ask God to clarify our boundaries. You can work on submitting yourself to the process and working with God to change you, to change me. You cannot change anything else. The weather, your past, the economy, especially you cannot change people. You cannot change others, but we can res be responsible for our own personal growth. So we got to pray and ask God for wisdom between what we have the power to change and what we don't. Uh, pastor said this to me once, sometimes the burden of someone else's will is too heavy for me to bear. Don't, 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 don't feel lousy about it. Don't weigh yourself down about it. When someone make up their choice, let, their let them reap the consequence. And then you just pray, God, help them. Amen. So that is the law of power. Next, the law of respect. <clears throat> As we are learning to say no and setting boundaries, we also experience some fear. I, I, I wouldn't kid you to say it's, it's not always a, a happy thing to say no. Okay, if, if all we like is, if you like to say no, 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 and you, know, you feel very shook, uh, you know, maybe you're uh, sadist, yes. <clears throat> but as we are learning to do that, 
we also experience fear. For example, when I start disobeying Micah and say no to him, he'll get upset. He'll push me away. He'll go to mommy. Then I was so scared. Wa. You know, sometimes I say, and then I text one, hey, you think I'm being too hard on him or not? He said, later he don't like me. He's like, no lah. You know? But I'm being honest, they are fears. Like when we start to say no, we'll have thoughts like, but they won't accept me if I say no. Or if I start, you know, my friend show me do something that I know I shouldn't be doing, I tell him no. Then later they think, wow, you're so, so weird. Ah. And I, I had to experience that even when I was in school, my friends would ask me to do certain things or join certain activities. And I said, no, I, I can't. And they know I'm a Christian. Then they would make fun of me. Say, oh, ah, holy man. Ah. Isn't, it's not nice to hear that. Lah. You know? But I had to learn. I mean, God was helping me in that point in my life to, to find my identity not in what people think about me, but in Him. Yes, yes. Will they think I'm weird? Will they, will they cut me away from this, this group, from, from my clique? Oh, but they won't speak to me for a week if I tell them how I really feel. Sometimes in, in, in a friendship or in a relationship, you know that, hey, wow, bro, you really crossed the line. I, I got to tell you something about it. I cannot keep quiet. And sometimes we take the courage to, to tell them, hey, what you did is wrong. And it's also a scary place for us to, 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 to say those things in love because why? We scared later you reject me. What if I tell you the truth, then you say, oh, I'm offended at you. And so there are fears that we experience. And so when we start learning to establish boundaries in our lives, we will also deal with the fear of what people may think about us. The fear of rejection. Peer pressure. It's real. Those in school, people know you are a bit different. You go canteen already, when you buy your food, you start to say grace. People think, oh, wow, okay. And you say, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sometimes it's like one second already, okay, amen, thank you. And it's real. The peer pressure is real. But I want to encourage you that if you, are, you have been standing your ground, if you are learning to say, if you are learning to, to fight for your faith, God is there with you. I want to encourage you that God will ultimately validate your walk with Him. Because there's going to come a point in time when somebody, when they need help, they'll turn to you, hey, George, you're Christian, right? Hey, i got something happening at home. Can you pray for me? Because they will know, as much as they make fun of you, they will know whether you are the real deal. That's why they like to test our boundary. They test, 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 test. Wow, this guy really real one. And so don't, don't be discouraged sometimes when, when it's difficult, when you feel alone. And that's why it's important for us to gather here. Why? Because we're not going to do that to each other here. Right? See, we fear that others will not respect our boundaries. And we focus on others and lose clarity about ourselves. See, when in the midst of setting boundaries, in the midst of you setting up you know, your personal convictions, and when you start to feel fearful, oh, what will people think about me? And when you start to focus so much on what the other person thinks, you end up, you forget why you're doing what you're doing this for. And sometimes you are the ones that have a hard time accepting also other people's boundaries. You know, as much as I'm saying that we got to set those boundaries, sometimes we are the other party. We don't respect people's boundaries. We say things like this. Huh? What do you mean you say no to me? I just need the money for a while. Why, why are you so mean one? You don't want to, you're Christian, right? Why you don't want to... We have to respect other people's boundaries. 
Why you not doing this for me? Don't you love me? If you love me, you will do this for me. So when we do that, we guilt trip someone when they say no, we are not respecting their boundaries. How could he refuse to come and pick me up? It's on the way, what? Huh? He can go and find some other time to have his alone time, what? It's very hard to come and, come and pick me up, meh. We have to learn to respect someone else's boundaries. See, we judge and tear down the boundary decision of others thinking that we know best what they ought to be. And sometimes I'm guilty of that. You know, I say, oh, hey, you should be doing this. Hey, voila, why you? You cannot come and serve. But I never go and check. Maybe they're having some, something's happening at home. I have to respect the boundary. Even God doesn't do that to us. Even God doesn't invade our boundaries. He doesn't kick down the door. Bah! I'm here, Charles. No, he knocked. He wait for you to open. And so we have to respect each other's boundaries. When we do not respect one another's boundary, what happens? It set up a fear cycle in us. That fear causes us to be afraid of setting boundaries. Oh, you scared, ma? You said already later, got something happened. And we decide what to do. Okay, la, I give in. I tell you no later, you, you make me feel bad. Okay, you know what? Then I will give in. Okay, okay, I'll do whatever you want. But the problem is this. When we comply, right? You say, okay, I give in, I give in, I give in. We will end up feel resentful. Because you're not doing it out of love. You're doing it out because you feel guilt-tripped. Like in a codependent relationship, when one party decides to put their foot down and say, no, I will not allow this in our relationship, the other party may throw a tantrum and they may get hurtful with their words or actions and they may manipulate to try to change the other person's mind. And in situations like that, nobody wins. Both parties will get hurt and resentful and chances are it may not work out. So we need to respect the boundaries of one another. Whether it's in a friendship, whether in a family, whether those who are in a relationship, we have to respect one another's boundaries. If we want people to respect our boundaries, we must respect theirs as well. Hearing no has always been hard for me. I don't think anyone here likes to hear no. Okay? But if you do... Teach me how you enjoy it later, okay? <laughs> but if we love and respect people who tell us no, they will in turn love and respect our no. Freedom begets freedom. When we accept that others have the right to set boundaries with us, we feel better about setting our own. The next law is the law of motivation. We fear that other people won't respect the boundaries that we set with them, Right? We talked about that earlier. This is an issue that I, sh I do struggle with. I'm afraid to tell people no. Or in fact, to be specific about my needs. I'm afraid they'll get disappointed. Angry or hurt. I'm afraid that I will be abandoned. If I start setting boundaries, if I start saying no to certain things, what if my partner decides, hey, you don't want Okay, I'll go find somebody else. We are afraid of that. And sometimes we do a lot for the other for other people, not out of love, but out of fear. Fear that we will not be loved anymore if we confront them and say no. Like if I'm so fearful that Micah will not love me, that I will give him to every one of his whims and all his tantrums, I'm going to end up raising a spoiled brat. And so I cannot let fear overwhelm me and over, over, dominate me. Okay? 
And so then this comes to why the law of motivation is so important. In setting boundaries or when making decisions, we have to overcome those fears. And what kind of fears are we talking about? See, there is a false motive that keeps us from setting boundaries. For example, the loss of love of love, the loss of love or abandonment. People who say yes and then resent saying yes. It's like I say, okay, I'll do for you. But actually, I don't want to do one. Especially uh, Asians here. We like to everything also say yes. Like, can you uh, go and tap out for me? Oh, okay. But actually, it's like, wow, this guy is so lazy. Every week, ask me to go and buy food. But we don't want to tell them no. We say, okay, okay. In our workplace, you know, uh, you may have an irresponsible teammate. Hey bro, can you cover for me or not? Alamak, I forget to, to prep my style. Hey, can you do? You're very good at PowerPoint or you help me do? I said, okay, okay. You say yes, but inside, yeah. Wallah, why are you always like that? You resent why you've, you're afraid you lose someone's love or acceptance. Fear of someone's anger. When you say no, the person, ah, they, they throw a fit at you. The fear of loneliness. Some people give in to others because they feel that they will win love. If I give in to you, if I bend my, 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 my boundaries or my, or my convictions just to please you, or maybe I will win your love and end their loneliness. And they throw out all their boundaries just to fit in. And I know it's not easy, especially in the culture that we live in. The culture that tells us to conform to what the world thinks is, is normal. But if we would not allow this fear to overcome us, Instead of being afraid, hey, is this person will love me, we turn to God, say, God, if they don't like me, never mind. Most important is you and me, okay. You know, Bishop Ellis say, when you please God, you please all that really matter. Those people that don't like, it's okay. We'll always have naysayers in our lives. The fear of losing the good me inside, they think that they are being selfish or unloving when they say no. Okay? The blues here, we have a hard time saying no. You know, you may have all the upcoming events. They say, hey, uh, Alvin, can you help me? Uh, we will do caroling for Christmas. Say, oh, okay. Hey, bro, uh, we got another uh, event end of the year. Can you help to plan the, the logistics? Oh, okay, can. Then every time, everybody will go to Alvin. Why? Because he's very helpful. Uh, everything also say yes. Wow, this guy, wow, very good. But inside, he's dying. And eventually, we have to say, you know what? I cannot, my plate, I, I am limited. There's so much I can do, I'm not God. Okay, and so when you learn to say no, you know, uh, rightfully saying no, la, you don't be the one that everything want to siam one. La. If everything want to siam, then it's a different story, okay? So if you are blue, you struggle to say this. Servers here, we love to give. And sometimes we need to learn to say, no, I cannot. I already have all these things on my plate. Another thing that, another false motive is guilt. Many people's giving is motivated by guilt. They're trying to do enough good things to overcome the guilt inside and feel good about themselves. When they say no, they feel bad. Another thing is payback. Ah, this one, I think all of us can understand. When someone buys you Christmas present, you'll feel, I need to buy you Christmas present. <laughs> so it's not because I, I, I really want to give you a gift. I give you because you give me. It's this thing called payback. You know, and uh, we always laugh about it in our family. Is that, hey, But why do we do it? Because it's part of our innate culture. La. We like to give back. La. 
you know. But problem is, it's not out of because we really want to, you know, bless the person. We just do it out of obligation. Another thing is approval. You feel like you have to seek the approval of the other person. And lastly, over-identification with others' loss. You see, when we have not learned to deal with our own losses and disappointments, and then when we start to sell no to people, and we make them feel like you're depriving them of your help, you will start to take on the other person's sadness to a much greater degree. And then you know what you do? Ah, you know what? I, uh, I feel very bad. Uh, I, I will do it. Uh, I will do it. If I do the things for people for any of these reasons, I am not totally free. I may do it for a while. Eventually, I will burn out. Eventually, I'll get resentful. I'm not doing it out of love and being a good person. I'm just getting bogged down more and more. So let God work on the fears and resolve them and create some healthy boundaries to guard the freedom you were called to. Number six, the law of evaluation. Sometimes we assume that if we set boundaries, we will get a negative response. Though this is sometimes true, that does not mean we should avoid boundaries. Very seldom you tell someone, hey, I'm going to set a boundary. Very seldom you say, wow, okay, very good, what is it? <laughs> when my wife tells me, hey, we've got to adjust our budget. You got to, if you say increase, yeah, but if you cut down, it's like, ah. <laughs> but she has to have that hard conversation with me. You know, we don't like it. See, there is a difference be- between being hurtful and harmful. When you go and see a dentist, did the dentist hurt you when he drilled into your mouth, your tooth to remove your cavity? Yes, it hurts. But did he harm you? No, he made you feel better. When you ate the sugar that gave you that cavity, did that hurt? No, it tastes so good. But did he harm you? Yes. See, there is a difference between hurtful and harmful. See, things can hurt but not harm us. In fact, they can be even good for us. This is what we call pruning. When you prune something, it hurts, but it's for our greater good. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Ultimately, when we set boundaries, the result is good for both you and the other person in the long term. It leads to honesty, relief from guilt, and better communication of who you are and what you need. It may be difficult because sometimes it requires confrontation. It requires hurt feelings. If we do not do this, anger and bitterness will ultimately set in because we are not open about our own limits and needs. Many times when me and my wife discuss about things like our budget, I don't like to talk about it because sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm, I failed again. I, I, I broke the budget again. So every time we have the conversation, it's like, my natural tendency is to try to avoid it. Or not, not proud about it. Sometimes I react in anger. What are you trying to say? You're trying to say I'm not good, is it? But it's nothing to do with that. We're just trying to do what's right for our family. See, many years ago in our courtship, okay, our courtship was very long ago. It's 11 years ago. <laughs> yes, 11 years ago. And I remember initially I was still in the army. Okay, and then in army, I cannot go out and meet her, right? So the only time we communicate is on the phone. So we talk on the phone a lot. 
And then when I finally ORD, okay, it means I got more time. I can actually go out and part tall. Then she one day tell me, Charles, then she started work also. I think we should cut down on our time talking on the phone. Wow. I tell you, uh, I was so upset. Because, eh. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm someone who likes to talk and have conversations. So you try to take that away from me. I felt very angry and hurtful. Hurt lah. And I gave her a really hard time. And it was in fact in that entire season that God was actually revealing to me areas of my insecurity. That I was, I talked about codependent, right? I, I am that person. I am codependent. Because I needed that, 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 that companionship. And instead of spending time talk to God, I go and talk to her. And she was like, hey, I think we need, I need to cut back on this because I also need to go and spend time with God. I need to go and work. And it was a good boundary. But I felt hurt. But did it harm me? It didn't. In fact, it, it taught me so much. I learned to, right. to, to, to develop my own walk with God. Right. Security in God. Not from her. Not to leech off from her. But to turn to God. Lord, I got no one to talk to. I feel very alone. Yes. And that was actually the point in time where I actually started going in the Word. Because I, I read Moody, a very emo one last time. And the only thing that stabilized me, I tell you, was the Word. And sometimes if you are struggling, how I, I'm feeling this way, go to God. Stop blaming someone else. I was blaming her for the longest of time. And God was trying to teach me a difficult lesson. I remember we were in the counseling pastor and sister. Then I thought, yeah, I'm going to... I'll complain about all oh, she ah, one moment say this, then next moment say that. Then I tell Pastor. Then Pastor turned to me and said, Charles, you are the guy. Man up. I'm like, <laughs> what? I wasn't expecting that. But that was what I needed to hear. That was the no I needed to hear. That was the boundary that I had to learn to set up and respect. See, in Proverbs 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We need to hear truth from others that love our souls to grow. When your pastor, when your leaders, when your care group leader tell you, no, I don't think that is a good idea. Don't get upset at them. <laughs> we don't like to say no. <laughs> you know, we're not going to make the decision for you, but we'll tell you our recommendations. Why? Because iron sharpen iron. We care for your souls. Your leaders care for your souls. See, in the long run, it will be good for us. We need to evaluate the pain our confrontation causes other people. We need to see how this hurt is helpful to others. Okay, at the same time, I want to make a disclaimer. Doesn't mean you go and unload and dump on somebody. Say, oh, you tell me I've got to be honest. Okay, why you? Okay, you don't just give up someone a piece of your mind and then you may leave the person hurt. Okay, that is not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying, you've got to do it in a way that is right, that is biblical. Okay? And at the same time also, if you keep it all to yourself and you suppress it, nobody's going to know. Okay? So, sometimes the best thing we can do for them and the relationship is that we've got to evaluate the pain in a positive light. The law, number seven, the law of proactivity. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Okay, what do I mean by this? Okay, for example, someone who has spent years being passive and compliant in a relationship, and then suddenly out of nowhere they explode. They cannot tahan already. They just kaboom. 
Okay, those, this, though this reactive phase of boundary creation is helpful, okay, for example, in an abusive relationship, okay, maybe the wife is uh, someone that experienced abuse. Kind of abuse, 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 years after years, then he, she one day be tong already, cannot. She just blow up, say, this is enough. You are getting out of the house. Okay, something like that, okay? Or whatever that boundary that she's going to set. And initially, that reaction is needful. Why? Because, or maybe she leaves the house and stays somewhere else. Why? Because if she continues to be in that environment, she's, gonna, she's not going to come out better. She's going to be hurt. She's going to be stuck there. And so in that initial phase, that reaction was needed. But for her to just stay there, it's not going to help her. That every time her husband act out on her, she will just react. Then nothing changes. And so that's why proactivity is so important. Pastor always talk about this. When we are reactive and we don't do anything about it, eventually we'll be what? Radioactive. But instead, the best thing to do is to be proactive. And so what does that mean? Okay? And so initially, when we start, if you are in that kind of place, for example, if you may be a, a recipient of, let's say, bully, bullying, cyberbullying or whatever, I know it's real in school and sometimes we don't like to talk about it. Sometimes we don't even dare to talk to our parents about it. We feel lousy. Oh, I cannot bully. And so in school, we just, we just, we just take it. Cannot bully, bully, bully. And one day you decide, oh, Brother Charles said we need to step boundaries. So this week I go back to school, the bully come, I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to push back. Yes, that is good for you at the start. But don't stop there. Because if you are going to only depend on your anger or reaction, that's not going to help you grow. You've got to be proactive. Maybe you've got to start to talk to your teachers about it. Maybe you've got to talk to your parents about it. Hey, Dad, this is happening in school. What should I do? Or maybe some may be you know, uh, experiencing sexual abuse and it's not something easy to talk about. And initially, you may react in that moment just to protect yourself, but you don't stop there. Because sometimes when we keep that, that fear, what happens? We start to become victims. We operate in a victim mentality and we'll always react in situations like that. When someone tries to be close, we react. But we've got to do more than that. We've got to be proactive because God has called us to be victors. So for example, like me in my parenting journey, when Micah throw a tantrum, I will react. Why? Because I'm angry. What? You, how can you do this to me? How can you hit me? I'll react. And I need to react. If I don't, then something is wrong, right? Like he hit my face, then, oh, he's so cute. Pa, pa, pa. Then he will never learn. I react. I, 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 I get angry and, and maybe raise my voice a bit. And he will realize, oh, I crossed the line. But then I don't just stop there, lah. That I just wait until every moment he do something wrong, then I react to him. I got to be proactive. And that's what Pastor has been talking to us parents about. We got to train our children. I got to be proactive to teach him, hey, what's the right behavior? That, hey, Micah, you got to be respectful. When you are respectful, you know, then this is the response you will get from mom and dad. If you are disrespectful, this is the response you will get. And so that's the more proactive approach. I, just, I don't just wait there to him, for him to do something wrong, then I cane him. I want to train him so that he doesn't even have to get there. Okay? In Romans chapter 8, verse 37 to 39, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. 
And so if you may feel like you're a victim today, don't stop there. Don't, don't be satisfied with being in the reactive state. Start asking God for help. God, how can I be proactive about this particular aspect or this particular situation? What can I do? Maybe I need insight from someone to know what I should do about this. Number eight, and I'll uh, go through this real quickly, the law of envy. Okay. Whenever it comes to setting boundaries, one of the emotions that we we'll always struggle with is this thing called envy. Okay? What does envy have to do with boundaries? See, envy defines good as what I do not possess. See, when we don't have something, we see someone else, we say, wow, oh, that one good. Wow. When I see, wow, oh, Jonah's shoes, new one. Wow, oh, so good. I don't have it. My one bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then I hate the good that I have. See, how many times have we heard someone or maybe yourself have experienced this, that you subtly put down someone else's accomplishment, robbing them of the goodness they have attained. But the most destructive thing about envy is that it guarantees we will not get what we want and keep us perpetually dissatisfied. I can get envious about my peers' children. Wow, they're so quiet, they can sit in the service, never make a noise. I can get envious about it. I mean, I'm human, okay? okay? Or maybe I wonder, hey, wow, my friends, they're all moving on with life, they're settling down. Oh, another friend got engaged. When will my turn come? I get envious. Oi, how come that person in my workplace get promoted? Never even do his job. Irresponsible, always cover for him. Then he get promoted. Where is my promotion? And in moments like that, what do we do? Sometimes we get tempted, you know. We say that, oh, God, God after all I've done to keep myself poor, how come I got nobody? Then my other people, they're moving on. I get envious. And we are tempted to do what? To touch those boundaries that we have set. We say, you know what? Uh, God, I think your plan not working. Lah. Let me try myself. Let me sh maybe shift the the boundary a bit closer to the edge. Lah. See if that works. Then I say, hey, don't work. Ah, maybe you just remove it and see how that works. But the law of envy is there. And I'm not going to lie about it. But what do we need to do? In moments like that, we have to bring that emotion to God. See, your envy should always be a sign to you that you are lacking something. We don't feel envious for nothing. Okay? There's a reason. It's just showing us something. It's showing us what we are lacking. And at that moment, bring that to God to help you understand what you are resenting. Is it because I'm really wanting that or is it God, I don't trust you? I'm not getting my way. And ask Him to show you what you need to do to get there or maybe to even give up the desire. But I want to encourage you today that whatever you are doing to keep yourself pleasing to God, whatever line that you have drawn for yourself, once again, not out of fear, not out of obligation, but you do it because I love God. I draw these lines. And you feel like, why are things happening? That I want you to know that God is in the midst with you. In Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. 
plans to give you a hope and a future. That when you please God, God will honour you. Maybe not the way you imagine it to be, but He will honour you. Number nine, the law of activity. Very simply put, when we talk about wanting to set boundaries, these things don't happen by doing nothing. Bishop Willoughby always says this, his famous quote, he says, God cannot bless inactivity. When it comes to setting boundaries, you know, for example, if you don't work, you don't eat. You don't exercise, you don't expect to be healthy. See, at the end of today, we have to do something about this. The scripture says we do not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers, lest you be deceived. See, God's grace can cover failure. If you, it's not about, and we're not talking about, am I going to fail? God's grace can cover failure, but it cannot make up passivity. We need to do our part. We cannot say, you know, I wait for, I wait for my wife to set the boundary. Lah. Then in the meantime, I just don't do anything. I cannot, I have to do something. I have to take responsibility. The sin God rebukes is not trying and failing, but failing to try. Trying, failing, and trying again is called learning. And we are always learning. Okay, when you, when you make some mistakes, when you learn to set boundaries and you say, hey, shucks, I hurt somebody. I didn't set right. Maybe I was too hard. You learn. For example, when I discipline my son out of anger, and I, I know we are taught cannot discipline out of anger, you do it out of, you know, you cool down. But there are moments when I lose it. But then I don't say, oh, I'm going to give up disciplining him. No, I learn. I do better next time. See, so we got to make up our mind. We got to do something. We got to be active about it. Don't just wait for pastor or your care group leader. Ask you, hey, how? What's your boundary you're going to set? What are some uh, fences or guardrails you're going to set in your life? Or maybe you're ready to go into your workforce. You're choosing a job. How? What kind of job are you looking for? You're entering a relationship. How? What kind of boundaries are you setting? Don't need to wait for someone to come and tell you, hey, how? What are your boundaries? We have to be proactive. We've got to be the ones initiating it. Because why? If it matters to you, do something about it. I don't need to somebody to tell me to think about how I should raise my child. I do it because he matters to me. And the last law is the law of exposure. See, a boundary is a property line as we talk about. It defines where you begin and end. The whole concept of boundary has to do with the fact with what? That we exist in relationship. All that we've been talking about, boundaries, setting, drawing lines, is why? It's because we are all in relationships. Whether it's with God, whether it's with yourself, whether it's with the people around you. In a relationship, boundaries are particularly important. Why? Because they allow two separate individuals to grow together in one strong unity. Instead of having one person dissolve and become just a part of another. But some people believe that they do not have any boundaries and that they don't need them. But actually that is not true. Why? Because we all have our own feelings, opinions and views, but we may not communicate them. That's what the law of exposure is. We have to communicate. When you don't feel comfortable in a relationship, your, your other par partner say, do something or say something, and you don't feel comfortable about it, you cannot just keep quiet and expect them, you should know what. If I must tell you, then you don't really know. We have to communicate. Sometimes 
our discomfort to the other party in a relationship. That's what the law of exposure is. Because if we don't communicate our own thoughts and emotions, our loved ones will not have the slightest idea of how we really feel or who we really are. And so we need to make sure people can see us clearly. Even out there when we are in school, when we are going about our lives, when we practice the law of exposure, when people see who you really are, whether it's in the way you act, whether it's in the way you speak, whether it's in the choices you make, whether it's in the way you look and dress, what are those things for? It's for people to see, hey, you are different. Hey, this guy is set apart. And didn't the Bible say that what the church is supposed to be? The light of the world. We don't hide ourselves under a basket. We don't have to be ashamed about the life we want to live. That we let the world know that I am a follower of Christ. And so that they will know who they can turn to. When you live out your faith, when you are not ashamed about it, you're going to be able to shine light into people's lives, people that do not know God. I'm going to close with this story. This week, I was out in Simlim, you know, buying different equipment and getting ready for uh, certain things next year. And I was going to buy like some stuff in this shop. And I was talking to this uncle. I was ready to leave already. I mean, he was very nice. Like, he gave me discount everything. Then he started to tell me, oh, I actually plan to close down the shop in two years because I got cancer. And in that moment, I was like, wow. I feel very sad for him. Very nice guy. And at the moment, I had a decision. Should I just go because I got to rush off? Or should I say, Uncle, can I pray for you or not? I mean, a bit paise, very long never pray for someone. So, you know, I felt God say, just pray for him, what you got to lose. I said, Uncle, can I pray for you? So, yes, sure. And he said, oh, actually, I'm also Christian. And so when I prayed together with him, you know, and, and, and it was such a special moment that I could find, I mean, he blessed me with this count, but I, I felt that I could pray for him, that God would touch him. You know? And, and, and at the end of it, he said, hey, you remind me of my son. And I told him, uncle, you take care. Every time I come see him, I'll come and visit you. See, that's what the law of exposure is. Sometimes when we want to live out our faith, don't be afraid of it. This Christmas, don't be afraid of who you are in Christ. Let your light shine. Shall we stand? I'm going to close with this psalm. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 5 to 8. <clears throat> it reads, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my Lord secure. And I love this part. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord with Him at my right hand and I will not be shaken. My prayer for us today is that as we go back and evaluate and look at our lives and the choices that we make, and maybe some of us, we have certain decisions we're going to make. We're going to have discussions with our family. Hey, I think we need to set certain boundaries, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our walk with God. Maybe for some of us, the year is about to close, but we haven't talked to God the entire year. We say, God, I cannot push this off anymore. I got to take responsibility. 
I got to be proactive about this. And for some of us, we may be having a difficult time in the season of our lives. We may be going through a situation, maybe experiencing sickness, or you may be facing depression or whatever that you may feel like, hey, wow, why is it so hard? I'm doing all I can to live for God. I'm doing all I can. God, I'm doing all I know too to live right by you. But it seems that things are not going my way. Why does it seem that the wicked are prosperous but I am not? But that's why David wrote this psalm in his time of trouble. That he recognised, God, you are my portion and my cup. That when it comes to setting certain boundaries, that we don't have to be afraid. That sometimes we are worried, will people love me? Will my friends still accept me? But God says, David says, you make my Lord secure. That whatever the Lord has drawn, he says the boundary lines have fallen not in difficult places, in pleasant places. And for every one of us, it looks different. Some of us, wow, the boundary is very big. You know, we got more space. Some is like, oh, it's very narrow. But whatever the case that God has called you to do, it takes trust to set up those boundaries. And God is asking you, to include him in. God is asking you today, I'm knocking at the door, let me in, let me help you today. And so church, why don't we, all hands raised and all eyes closed, why don't we begin to respond to the Lord today? Father, right now, God, Lord, you have spoken to us this morning, God. Lord, we, we recognise, God, the importance, God, of our choices, God. We recognise, Lord, the importance of us, oh God, taking responsibility, God, of our lives, God, taking responsibility, God, of, of our walk with you, taking responsibility, God, of where we are today, God. And Father, I pray right now, God, Lord, I know that some of these things is not, it's not easy to hear, God, it's, and it may even be harder, Lord, to, to do, God. But Lord, I pray today, God, Lord, that you would help us, God. Lord, that we would turn to you, God that you will instruct us, God. Lord, that you will instruct me, that you will counsel me. That, Lord, that you will give me wisdom, God. And Father, I pray today, God, Lord, that some of us may be having fears in us that, that nobody knows, God. And Father, I pray today, God, that you will begin, oh God, to help us, God. Lord, you have not given us a spirit of fear, God but you have given us power, God. Power over every struggle, God. Power over every addiction, God. You have given us love, God. You have given us a sound mind, God. And Father, I pray today, God, that Lord, that we will want to bring our fears before you, God. Lord, we don't want to hide behind a mask. We don't want to build a wall around us, God. But Lord, we come before you and say, Lord, this is how I'm feeling, God. Help me, God. Lord, I bring my inability to you, God. Lord, I recognize that without you, God, I can do nothing, God. And Father, I pray that you'll begin to help us, God. Lord, I pray that whatever I've heard today, Lord, you are not here to condemn us, God. You're not here to shame us, God. But Lord, you are here, God, to direct us, Lord. You may be convicting me today, God. And Lord, I pray you help me respond to it, God. Help me yield myself to you. Help me surrender, Lord, to your spirit today, God. Lord, help me to recognize, God, that, Lord, if I don't set certain boundaries, if I don't draw certain lines, God, my relationships are at stake, God. 
my salvation is at stake, God. And Father, I pray today, God, give me courage, God. Give me courage to say no, God. Whether at home, whether in my workplace, God. Lord, I pray, give me the courage, God. To say no to my flesh, God. Give me the, the strength and the grace, God, to deny ungodliness, God. And to follow after righteousness, God. And Father, I pray, God, that if we are in this season of our life that we are struggling, God, struggling to trust you, God, struggling to, 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 to figure out, Lord, if this is all worth it, God, if this life that we have dedicated to you is worth it, God, Lord, I pray today, God, that you will reassure us, God, that you will reaffirm us today, God, that, Lord, Harakaya, that you are for us, God, and not against us, God, that we can never outgive you, God, that, Lord, Harakaya, that, Lord, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, God. Lord, the pressures of this world, God, the insults of the people around me, they're not going to cause me, Lord, to, to fumble, God. And Lord, I pray today, God, Lord, renew my faith, renew my trust in you, God. Lord, my Lord is secure in you, God. Lord, even if it may not be much today, God, Lord, let me trust you with where I'm at, Lord. Let me be at peace, God, with where I'm at today, God. Let me know, God, the things I cannot change, God. And let me know the things that I can change, God. And Father, I pray that you will begin to do a work within me, God. That, Lord, you will help me stop pushing the blame at others, God. That you will help me stop focusing on someone else, but help me, Lord, begin with me, God. That if one thing I can change, God, I can change my attitude, Lord. My attitude towards you, my attitude towards your word, O God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, O Rakaya. And Father, Lord, I thank you, God, that in this journey of, 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 of seeking you, God, of finding you, Lord, I am not alone, God. And church, if it is possible, if it is appropriate, why don't you begin to... If, you're, if God is leading you to, to minister to someone, why don't we begin to lay hands on the person beside us and let us begin to pray. Father, Lord, Lord, sometimes, God, my brother and sister, God, Lord, Lord, when they tell me hard things, God, when they speak the truth in love to me, God, Lord, I pray you help me, God, not get offended. Help me not take it personally, God. But Lord, you have given us, Lord, one another. You have given us the body of Christ, God. And Father, I pray that you will begin to raise up, oh God, in my life, God, friends that really matter, God. Friends that really love you, God. Friends that don't just love my having a good time, but they love my soul enough to tell me, God, as it is, God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you begin to help us, God, be strengthened in you, God, that our bonds will be bonds, oh God, that are founded upon your word, God, upon faith, God. And Lord, I pray today, God, that Lord, that you would help us, God, iron sharpen iron, God, as we see the days approaching, God, as the world is getting darker, God, we need to get brighter, God. And Lord, we got to do it together, God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that if any one of us, oh God, are experiencing something, God, shame or abuse or, or pain that we, we find it hard, oh God, to open up about, I pray today, God, help us, God, 
open up ourselves, God. Help us recognize, God, that we cannot do it alone, God. Help us learn to communicate, oh God, our struggles. Help us communicate our thoughts and opinions in a way that is pleasing to you, God. In the name of Jesus, Father. And Father, I pray, God, as we learn, O oh God, to begin to set up, O oh God, boundaries in our lives, O oh God, that determine, O oh God, who we are, that will eventually define who we are. I pray, God, for your people, God. Lord, that you will be there, God. Araka, your grace will be upon us, God. Your presence will be with us, God. That when we go out into the world, God, Lord, that you will be with us, that you will fight on our behalf, God. That, Lord, we will not cave in, Lord, to the pressures of this world, but, Lord, most importantly, I pray today, God, that we will be in a right standing with you, God. That when we say yes to you, when we please you, God, we please all that matter, God. And Lord, that greater is he that is in me than he that is of this world, God. That Lord, that your spirit in me, God, is able, God, to help me walk through, God, the challenges that I may face, God, in wanting to be proactive about my walk with you, in wanting to be setting boundaries, God, to protect my walk with you. Lord, I pray that you will confirm your word, God. That you will, oh God, show yourself strong, God. In the name of Jesus, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And Father, Lord, as we leave this place today, God, Lord, I pray even as as the year is coming to an end, as we are gearing up, Lord, for the festivities, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you will begin to open up doors, oh God, in our schools, in our homes, God, in our workplaces, God. Lord, that at the end of the day, God, we are setting these boundaries not just to be an exclusive club, God, but we are setting it because the world needs to see you, God. And God, I pray that your light will begin to shine, Lord, through us, as we begin to deny our flesh, God, Lord, that you will begin to cause, Lord, your light to shine through me, God. That wherever I go, that you will begin to lead me to that man of peace, God. That you begin to lead me, Lord, to my friends, to my family that do not know you, God. And Lord, that we will begin to share, God, of why we do what we do, God. We will begin to share the reason of our hope, God. That we will not be ashamed of our light, God. That we will not be ashamed of your word, God. And Lord, that Lord, people are begin, will begin to ask us questions. People will begin to be attracted to that light, God. And Lord, I pray, God, that you will, oh God, help us, God to get a hold of them, God. Begin to help us, God, to share our stories, God. To share, God, our testimonies, God. Lord, that we can invite them, Lord, for a Christmas party, God. Whatever it is, God, Lord, I pray. Ultimately, all that we do here today, God, will propel us, God, to be, Lord, your disciples. Will propel us, God, to make disciples, God. In the name of Jesus, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray, God.
Watch over your people, God, as we go about your business, God. Watch over us, God. I pray a hedge of protection over everyone that is here, God. Protect us, God, even in the midst of this pandemic, God. Watch over, Lord, our families. Watch over our children. Watch over our guests and friends that are here today, God. Lord, that you will bless them. Lord, that you will begin, oh God, to reveal the wonders of your love to them, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you for worshipping so beautifully. Thank you for being here today. You know, turn to your neighbour and, and greet them. And we'll see you back here next week. In Jesus' name, amen.